starting at verse 14. It says, I looked, and there before me was a white cloud, and seated on the cloud was one like a son of man, with a crown of gold on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Then another angel came out of the temple and called in a loud voice to him who was sitting on the cloud, Take your sickle and reap, because the time to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who was seated on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was harvested. It's springtime and almost summer. It may not feel like it. Sometimes I think we're going back to winter with the temperatures. But it is springtime, and a lot of people have been prepping and getting ready with their gardens and with their flower gardens. How many of you have planted a garden? A couple of you? Yeah? All right. And, and how about flowers? Just regular flowers? A few of you. How many of you are planting nothing? All right. All right. So one of, our, one of our deacons, Tim Chapman, many of you know him. He's really, really proud of his garden. And if you make it over towards his house, he will beckon you into the backyard and he will show off his garden and rightfully so, because he's got a great garden. And, and he's had to work really, really hard because he has this, this vine, wisteria. How many know what wisteria is? It's a beautiful flowering vine, but it can really get out of control. And unfortunately, in his backyard, it has gone everywhere. So it's beautiful and it's horrible at the same time. And so he's been burning it, cutting it back, and doing everything he can just to try and create a place for his garden. And so he's put a, a, lot, of, a lot of work into it. And, uh, and just the other day, he actually brought over some radishes. So he's already beginning to harvest some of his garden. But when you plant a garden, you do it with the end product in mind, don't you? Right? You're always thinking about what it's going to be like. So you, you think about what do you want to eat, or when you think about flowers, what you want to look at, or what you want to look at, or what you want it to look like. But these things take time. When planting flowers, chances are you didn't go to Home Depot to the nursery and just grab random bags of seeds and throw them, right? No, you were more intentional about it than that. Most of us, we go and we go to the seed area and we we look and, and on the front of a seed packet is what? Help me out, guys. What's on the front of a seed packet? A picture, right? And that picture does what? That picture shows you what? It's going to look like. Now, that, what it looks like is not exactly what's in the bag. It's the end result. And so you look at that picture, and you look at what's in the bag, and then you flip over on the back side of it all kinds of directions, right? Some flowers grow better in sunlight, and some grow better in shade, and some partial, and how much water and how much soil. And so when you plant anything, when you plant flowers especially, you go and you look at the colors, and you kind of go, you know, based on my garden or my flower bed or whatever it may be, I want this color flower, and I want it to, I don't want to grow too high because it might trump out something else or cover. So we get intentional, and we always do it with the end product in mind. We visualize what this is going to look like, don't we? All right. Maybe you haven't planted a garden this year, but you've done. Who's planted one at, at some point in your lifetime? You've planted one. Then you know what I'm talking about. Well, with vegetables, it's the same thing. Again, we look at the, the seed packet and we determine what it is on the outside of that. Because what we do with a vegetable garden is we actually eat what we grow. Not too many of us eat the flowers we grow in our flower bed. If you do, don't tell me. But we eat what we grow when it comes to vegetables. 
And so we go, we, we're intentional about the same kind of process. You know, not only do we have to prep the ground and, and, and go through and de-weed and, and get rid of wisteria vines and all those other things, but we have to look at the environment that we're planting in. You have to look and say, okay, what ground do I have available? What kind of sunlight do I have? Is it too shady? Is it too sunny? And then we look at the back and, and we, we begin to determine, based on the directions the, on the back of the seed packets, what is likely to grow in our gardens. And then once we determine that, we begin to go, okay, what do I actually want to eat? And then we start planting. You know, on the island of Aramanga, when we were missionaries there, uh, our gardens were incredibly important. In fact, the local people, they lived by their gardens. That's basically what they did all day. They got up in the morning, they went to the garden, and they worked real hard in their gardens and came back, and they'd come back with food for that day. But for us, our gardens were important. We, there was no stop and shop around the corner. We would go to the main island and we would resupply. We would take some things back with us. But our main food would come from what we grew or what we caught. And so we were very intentional about how our gardens looked, how we farmed them, how we raised them. We paid close attention most of the time to the seed packets and all of these things. Because if we didn't, it would have a serious effect on what we would harvest we didn't just go randomly and grab seeds and throw them and hope for the best. So we were intentional. We lined things up. We placed them. We had the nursery that we grew the smaller vegetables at. Then we transplanted, each paying close attention to what the direction said on the back. But the most rewarding thing about planting a garden is when you get to harvest, isn't it? Is the actual pulling of those vegetables. It's the actual eating of what you grew. And I think mostly because of the, the, the length of time that you put into it. You know, when you plant a garden, there are some things that you will reap quickly. And some things that will take a season to grow. And when you plant a garden, it's not just a one-time sowing of seeds. What do you have to do in a garden? You have to water, right? What else do you have to do? There's these pesky other things that grow with your seeds called weeds. And so for us, every day we would get out there. And every day we would be weeding. And every day we would be watering. And every day we'd be chasing chickens away. And every day we'd be paying close attention to our garden, trying to ensure that we would have the most productive harvest possible. And so when we finally got to the point where you actually harvested the fruit, it's the fruit of what you planted. It's the fruit of your labor. And it was so rewarding because many times I got up and I was tired of weeding. I don't want to weed again. I just did it. I was tired of watering. I was tired of monitoring. Because you get tired. Sometimes it takes some of these things forever to grow. I remember going out there and going, man, this is doing well, but nothing is growing here. And finally, you'd see a little speck of something, and you weren't sure if it was a weed or a plant. And so when you finally begin to see them grow, you begin to get excited. And so I remember harvesting and doing well. And, and what I remember, actually one of the most, unfortunately, is one of my failures. I, I enjoyed harvesting except for carrots. I didn't like my carrots too much. I remember no one told me you couldn't transplant carrots. 
So I had this nice nursery, and I, I got them growing, and they were doing real well, and I, I transplanted them out, and, and I'd moved them over, you know, and I guess I didn't read the directions on these particular seeds, and they were growing nice. I mean, the tops of them were getting full and bushy, and I was just beginning, I know this sounds silly, but this is just kind of the way I am. Maybe you're the same, maybe you're different, maybe you're normal, but I'm kind of weird, but I remember just thinking about, man, I was imagining the kind of fruit, like, man, these are going to be like heavenly carrots. They're going to be so massive and so big and so great because just the, the, the top bushes of them were just were, were, were massive. And my dad has an agriculture degree. And obviously, you know, we were there with them. And I remember going to my dad and going, hey, what do you think about my carrots? He goes, yeah, you know, they look good. And every day I go, hey, should, should I pull them yet? I mean, I just couldn't wait to pull kids. I remember pulling carrots as a kid. I don't know why I loved it so much. It was just kind of like a treasure hunt. Like you pull one out, you're like, hey, look at the size of this thing, you know. And then you'd pull some smaller ones. And anyway... So I remember these carrots, and I was all excited about these carrots. And finally, my dad was like, hey, I think they're ready. So I remember leaning into it. This sounds stupid, but I remember like almost like, you know, embracing myself because, you know, it's going to be a hard pull because I just know these carrots are enormous, right? I lean over. And I'm just waiting for this reward. And I pull, and it doesn't take much of a tug at all. And the most miserable-looking carrot came up. It, it can't have been two inches long, and it was, all of them were L-shaped. That's what happens when you transplant carrots. And so I, I, I quit growing carrots. I said, I'm done. I'm not growing carrots anymore. I don't think we ate them. It was kind of weird eating L-shaped carrots. So I learned from my mistake, but they were deceiving. They looked like something that they really weren't. They looked healthy. They looked good. But the real truth was when I pulled them out and saw the actual product of what was actually growing, what really counted, wasn't the leafiness on, on top, but was the actual vegetable inside, and so I learned my lessons from carrots. But with all of the great things and the not-so-great things, my surprise might have been the size of the carrots, how big or how not-so-big. My surprise might have been, been, been how quickly they grew, but I was never surprised at what they produced. I mean, when I went to pull that carrot, I knew, even though I couldn't see it, there was a carrot as miserable as it may have been, on the other side. I never pulled on it and was like, man, it's peas. No. I always knew what I was harvesting because I knew the seeds that I planted. I knew where I planted them. I knew what they said on the package. And so my surprise was at the size or, or the product or how big or whatever. But you know what? Every time when I planted cucumbers, cucumbers were produced. When I planted tomatoes, tomatoes were produced. When I planted carrots, miserable carrots were produced. I never planted one seed and got something else in return. This is not common. This is not, not, not rocket science, is it? This is pretty common sense, and you're looking at me like, all right, so I want to get to your point. You know, you would think this is common sense, wouldn't you? I mean, we understand this principle. It's a principle that God has set up. And we understand this when we grow things in our gardens, but it's interesting how we fail to understand this principle lives and exists in our lives. When we read that passage from Revelation, we see this image of Jesus coming back, and he's coming back, and he's harvesting, isn't he? You know what's being harvested? You and me. And so in this picture in Revelation, the world is the field and the people or what's being harvested. I want you to think about your life. You're going to be harvested one day. 
some point in your life, time's up, that carrot is pulled. What's on the other end? What does it look like? And so in Revelation chapter 14, we see this picture of judgment. We see this picture of harvesting. And Jesus is the harvester. The world is the field and the people are the fruits. You know, Jesus used this imagery a lot of harvesting throughout Scripture, didn't he? I mean, he talks about, hey, you scatter seed. It's this whole understanding of sowing. You scatter seed, he says, and some seed falls on on good soil and some rocky soil. And and he describes all of that. Then he talks about a tree producing fruit. A good tree will produce good fruit. A bad tree, bad fruit. He talks about thorns and thistles. He talks about a vine and its branches. God was constantly, Jesus was constantly using the imagery of what he's created around us to help us understand the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. In fact, he says in the Gospels, he actually says this, he says, the wheat and the weeds, they grow together. He's telling this parable, how he, he sows these seeds uh, of wheat, and his enemy comes in and sows weeds, and they end up growing, and, and in the beginning stages, they look the same. And then as they begin to grow up and, and get older and, and mature, they begin to realize, man, this isn't all wheat. These are weeds. And so his servants come up to him and say, Master, should we, should we pull the weeds out? And, and Jesus says, no, don't. Because in doing so, you might pull out some of the actual real fruit, the wheat, with the weeds. Let them grow together, he says. And at the appointed time, at the time of the harvest, they will all be harvested together and they will be separated. The wheat will be separated from the weeds. The wheat will be stored and the weeds will be burned. And so in this is a picture. He says, this is the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom of heaven. This is the lives we love. That means that, guess what? In this church, there's wheat. And in this church, there are weeds. And sometimes they look the same. Sometimes you can't tell. But see, God is not fooled and God can see into the heart and God can see into the core. It's kind of like my carrots. They might look massive and beautiful from the outside. Go, man, this looks like a wonderful carrot. And you pull it and go, what is that? See, God can see beneath the dirt into what is actually there. And so we get this picture in Revelation. Jesus tells us, man, this is what it is like. And so we are to understand ourselves. You and I will be harvested. I want to stop and ask you, if Jesus were to harvest you today, what exactly would he be harvesting? In your life right now, if he were to harvest you, your time is up. He's going to pull you from the ground and go, this is the, what fruit, what exactly does that look like? Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10 says this, A man reaps what he sows. That's a principle we understand well. But then it gets spiritual. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. A man reaps what he sows. Last week, in the message I referenced it at communion too, we, we talked about 
uh, about freedom isn't free. We talked about basically uh, the scripture where Jesus says, unless a kernel of wheat, we actually used a kernel of corn last week for the illustration, falls to the ground and dies, it remains just a single kernel. But if it were to die and be buried, it actually reproduces many. On average, a kernel of corn produces one plant, one corn stalk. And on average, each corn stalk produces two ears. I'm told by some in the right soil, they can reproduce a lot more than just two ears. But on average, two ears. And each cob of corn produces 800 on average kernels. That means that that one kernel of corn reproduces itself 1,600 times on average. Pretty amazing, isn't it? See, when you sow something, you don't just reap one thing. You reap a harvest full. And so with that understanding, a man reaps what he sows. We're not just being harvested ourselves. You are also a product of what you're sowing in your life. You are a product of what you're sowing. Again, this is common sense when it comes to planting gardens. And, and again, the, the looks on your faces told me that I was telling you something that you knew, that cucumber seeds produce cucumbers, tomato seeds produce tomatoes, and, and, and that, that none of you would be surprised if that's what you pulled up. But if you planted tomatoes and you pulled up a watermelon, you would be really surprised. But it's interesting how we can understand this concept and this rule and this principle when it comes to our gardens, but we fail to understand how this is true in our lives. In fact, many of us believe, I can sow something and reap something completely different of what I'm sowing. And some of us get completely surprised when, when what we sow actually comes to flourishing in fruit from the seeds that we're sowing in our lives. We become astonished. I mean, we see this all over in our world today. I think if we really look at TV, I think we see it a lot in TV. I mean, what are most reality TV shows about? Most reality TV shows are about people reaping what they sow. I mean, let's look at Survivor, for instance, all right? I enjoyed watching Survivor. But here's the thing. You're going to put 16 people, and the goal is to basically win a million dollars, and you to, to deceive, lie, or do whatever you can to win that million dollars. And yet on the show, friendships forge, and people are horrified when someone stabs them in the back or deceives them to get the money. But that's what it's about. That's what the show is about. You're not all going to get the money. And so you will do whatever you can, whatever it takes. When you look at reality shows, you see people sowing gossip and sowing uh, dissension and, and show, sowing discord and sowing hatred. And in all of these things, guess what happens? They actually reap what they sow. And they're, they're astonished. And they're horrified. Like, I can't believe my life actually looks like this. Well, what kind of sowed seeds have you been sowing? You think you can actually sow discord? You can sow gossip and not reap? what that looks like, a hundredfold. And so the Bible tells us, man, you reap what you sow. Yes, spiritually, some things you reap quicker than others. Everything that we reap, we will reap in eternity. But you will sow, you will reap what you sow. Life application puts it, if you sow hatred, you will reap hatred from others. If you sow discord, you will reap discord. If you sow seeds of gossip, 
about your friends, you will lose their friendships. If you sow disloyalty, you will reap abandonment. If you sow selfishness, you will receive only yourself and you will be alone. If it's all about you, then you will be all you have. And chances are that you won't just reap one seed, you will reap it 1,600 times. Think about that kernel of corn. You will reap what you sow. Every action has a result and a reaction. If I were to tell you, I want you to stand real close to this wall here, and I want you to throw a tennis ball as hard as you can at that wall, what's going to happen with that tennis ball? It's going to come right back and hit you, isn't it? Right? And most of you wouldn't do it. You go, I'm not going to do that. And I go, why not? You're not throwing it yourself. You go, no, no, you don't understand. I'm going to throw it at that wall, but I know what's going to happen when I do this. Man, it's a shame we don't put that kind of thought into the decisions that we make, isn't it? Do you understand that every decision that you make, you hold a seed in your hand and you are sowing something? You are sowing something. That will reap a harvest. The question is, do you want to eat what you are sowing? See, when when you come to a point or a decision in your life and, and you're tempted to respond a certain way to it, We'll just be real practical and generic. Somebody cuts you off in traffic. All right? And all of a sudden, you decide, man, I'm going to shake my fist and yell something. And all of a sudden, he stops and gets out of his car. Oh, we've got a little kind of reaping, harvesting thing going on here, don't we? Right? You might not have thought about what you were harvesting, but you didn't think a whole lot about the seed that you were sowing. See, that's just a generic surface level thing. But see... You will harvest what you sow. You will harvest it in your families. You will harvest it in your relationships. You will harvest it in your friendships. You will harvest it in this church. You start sowing gossip to other people. And I'm not preaching this because this happens here. But people do this. You start sowing that and running somebody down. Guess what? It's coming back to you. It always does. You sow disloyalty in your marriage. Listen. I love my wife. I have a great marriage, but I understand sowing and reaping. I respond a negative way to Lori. I'm going to reap that really quickly. Right? Come on, guys. You know what I'm talking about. The same thing happens with you. And and this is this principle. It's this law that, that, that God made. I mean, he made it in the earth around us for us to understand, and it's true in our lives. When I ask you this morning, what are you sowing in your life? Well, what seeds are you planting? What are you growing? Because, see, when you allow yourself to go after the things of the flesh, you, you, you take those things when you follow through and you bury them. And some of us do a really good job at watering our bitterness or our hatred or our anger or our frustration. And we, guess what? When you bury it and you water it, it's going to grow. And then we go, where did this come from? I don't know what happened in my life. Where did all these problems come from? You planted seeds a long time ago, and you've been watering them for your entire life. I have never gone to my garden and pulled something out and been like, this is amazing. It's a tomato. It's a carrot. You don't pull tomatoes out of the ground, which I know. But no, I'm not surprised. I always knew what I was going to pull. Because I knew what I sowed. I knew where I sowed it. I knew the care I put into it. I think if you look back at your life, 
You know, hardship comes to everybody, and not all hardship is a product of what you've sown. But in many of our lives, it is. In many of our lives, we can look back at circumstances and go, man, I can identify a harvest in my life that I sowed a long time ago. And a lot of us will go, especially to our children or to the ones that we love, and go, man, don't go down that path. Because there's something on the other side. And so many times our kids are like, oh, whatever, whatever. And you go, no, please understand from me. I've harvested something I don't want to harvest. And I don't want to see you sow those seeds. Young people, listen to me, please. Every decision you make, you're sowing a seed. It may seem like nothing to you now. You may think that, oh, it has no effect. It has effects on your life. Be very, very careful about what you sow. Be very, very careful about what you hide and bury and water. Be careful about what you protect because sometimes we protect our bitterness. We protect our anger. We protect these things and we water them and then they grow up and they consume us. I was told a story about a cute, cuddly bear. Little bear cubs make great pets. They're playful, kind of like sin. They're playful when they're little, but they grow up and eventually they eat you. Sometimes that's our sin. Sometimes that's our decision. It's, it's, it's the same kind of thing. And so we reap. God tells us, man, a man reaps what he sows. We're told the one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. If you plant to please your own sinful nature, or desires, then from that nature, you will reap destruction. Hendrickson writes it this way. He says, sowing to the flesh means to allow the old nature to have its way. Basically, you know what it means? It basically means, man, those knee-jerk reactions. Man, this feels good. I'm going to do it. Somebody crossed me. Somebody disrespected me. This is just, this is the way it's handled. This is the way I handle this. This is how I respond to this. That's just what they get. That's the law that I have in effect. Well, the law that you have in effect what you think is reality, has far more reaching consequences than you realize. It's it's so much easier just to give in to self, give in to flesh. And guess what? The enemy is right there encouraging you. Yeah, you're justified. Yeah, you deserve this. Yeah, don't let somebody talk to you like that. Don't let somebody treat you like this. Man, this is how you should respond. And guess what? It's so contrary to what he says right here, isn't it? And so when we sow to the sinful, to the flesh, we're responding to what seems natural to us. Man, this is the way it's done in the world. This is how I survive. And so guess what? You have about 80 to 100 years, if you live long, 80 to 100 years in this life to sow seeds, and we're sowing them every day, sometimes every minute, every week. You've sowed seeds this morning. In fact, one of the seeds that you've sown is to be here. That's a good seed. Some chose not to be. And then maybe you sowed some bad seeds that you can look back and go, hold on a second, maybe it's not too late to uncover them and pick them back up and go, hold on a second, I don't think I want to eat the fruit of what this is going to produce. But if you sow for 80 years, you have an 80-year period of sowing. Can I tell you something? You reap those 80 years for eternity. Not for 80 years, for eternity, forever. What you sow in this life You reap forever. If you sow your kingdom, it's about you. It's about self. If you sow your desires, if you sow your wants, 
then you become your own God. And can I tell you, you will inherit yourself as God and you will spend eternity separated from God. Hendrickson continues, he says, those who have sown to the flesh will awaken unto shame and to everlasting contempt. Their worm will not die, neither will their fire be quenched. Their dwelling place will be outside the banquet hall. And no one likes to think like this, and no one likes to talk like this, but we've got to, man. We understand this. I mean, we, we live by this principle, except when it comes to the most important thing in our lives, and that is our lives. You know what, can I tell you guys, I'm just going to be raw and honest. I'm tired of going to funerals where everybody's partying in heaven. I'm, I'm, I'm so tired of, of seeing people who've, who've sown their lives. I don't mean to be horrible. Who've sown their lives and sown seeds of, 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 of destruction into their life. And, and then you see tearful friends getting up and say, man, we'll be partying in heaven together. You know what I, I want to say to them? I, I don't say this. But it's actually like, 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 like planting tomato seeds and going, man, I can't wait to be eating watermelon. Really? I, you know what I want to say? I want to say, sorry, pal. I'm not trying to be judgmental, but the fruit of your life is already evident. You're already reaping what you have sown. It's all over your life. It's not rocket science. It's not even judgment. It's the fruit that's in your life. You've sown chilies all your life. You're not going to basically reap watermelons. You're going to reap what you sowed. And it doesn't look like a party in heaven. Unless you change your thinking and change your understanding, you can't rewrite the laws of nature. God declared this for us. He put it out here for us, and it's true in his word. And he uses it as an example of his kingdom. You will reap what you sow. So do not be deceived by the enemy and think you can reap whatever kind of lifestyle you want, you want to, to, to lead. One that satisfies self and your own lustful pleasures and reap eternity with God. It doesn't happen. Not everyone goes to heaven. Can I, can, I, can I ask you, you can join me. How many people have not planted gardens this year? My hand's up. I haven't. Guess what I'm going to reap? Nothing. I can go out to my garden every day, excited with my, with my pail and my tool, getting ready to go harvest fruit and vegetables. But if I didn't plant them, guess what? They're not there. And it's a wasted time. You will reap what you sow. But he continues, he goes, the one who sows to please the Spirit, to please God, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So also sowing to the Spirit means to allow the Holy Spirit, to allow God to have his way. It means sowing to obedience. You know what? I find it challenging sometimes to do things. The things that God says, man, sowing, this is what produces life. And someone wrongs me, and I look at it, and I go, that's not the way I want to respond. That's not the way I want it, because I feel violated, hurt, whatever it may, may be, wronged, and I want to respond out of the flesh. I want to respond with my anger. I want to respond with something that makes me feel justified. But I look at what God says, and God says, man, forgive them. That doesn't feel very good to me. I don't want to forgive them. God says, turn the other cheek. I don't want to turn the other cheek. God says, pray for your enemies. I don't want to pray for them. But see, when we sow obedience to God, 
And we go, okay, God, it's not about what I want. It's about what you want. And it's about this is the right thing. And so even though I might respond to them in the right way and they might continue to treat me badly, I'm going to do what is honoring to you because I'm crucifying myself. I'm dying to myself. It's not about me. It's about you. And I'm going to move in obedience to you. Man, when we live that kind of life, you will reap what you sow. And you will reap it a hundredfold or sixteen hundredfold, whatever you want to look at. You, it will come back to you. It's not why we do it. It's just the blessings of being obedient to God. And so if we sow seeds of obedience to God, if we sow seeds of following God, if we sow seeds of being in His presence, let me tell you, you will reap the rewards of being in His presence for eternity. And that's what I want to be. That's where I want to be. But this goes both ways. If you sow seeds of love, chances are you're going to reap those seeds of love. Man, if you're a peacemaker, you're going to reap that. If you sow seeds of trust and loyalty, you're going to reap that. This isn't rocket science. It's displayed in nature around us, and it's God's word to us. And we do this by walking according to God's ways, being led by the Holy Spirit. So he who has been sowing to please the flesh will harvest from that flesh. And on the other hand, he who has been sowing to please the Spirit, to please God, will harvest from the Spirit and reap everlasting life. I want you to think of it this way. When you go to a store... And you buy seeds, there's a picture of that seed, what it produces on the outside, and the directions on the back, right? Here's your picture, and here are your directions. And God says to us, like it or not, it doesn't matter. He says to us, here is my way, and this is what produces life. But he goes another step further. See, when you look at the directions in the back of a seed packet, they tell you what leads to life. They don't tell you what leads to destroy. Like, don't plant it over here and don't do this. It just says, do this, do this, do this. God says, here's what leads to life, and then here's what leads to destruction. In Deuteronomy, God says, I set before you life, and I set before you death, and the choice is yours. He says, but I want you to choose life. And not only do I want you to choose life, I want you to know that you cannot choose it by your own. You are so messed up. So what we celebrated this morning, I'm sending my son to die for you. He's paid the price for you. It's already done. Just grab hold of him and follow him. I've made this happen. You cannot lose if you grab hold of God. And here are the directions. And here are the instructions. And and in here is where you need to plant and what you need to plant and how you need to water and the sunlight and the shade and the image of what's going to happen. It is so here. You know, Scripture says that heaven and earth declare His glory, that we're without excuse just by looking at nature. We are without excuse because He says it's all in here. And so in the end, what happens is you can be me with a bag of carrot seeds and go, I think I'm going to transplant these. Right? should never have transplanted them. If I had read the instructions on them, the directions, it doesn't matter how excited I got about them. I should have read the instructions more. So I, I want to ask you, 
This is, this, look, you're here by yourself. You may be sitting next to somebody, but this is God's message to you individually. It doesn't matter who's on your right and left. But, but, but I want to ask you, right now, you have been sowing. However, however long your life has been, you've been sowing seeds every day of your life. I want to ask you a couple questions. Number one, what are you harvesting already in your life? Because you can look at your life and go, man, maybe this is a picture of some of the seeds that I've been sowing. Maybe it's an indication that unless I want to keep harvesting this kind of stuff in my life, I need to start sowing different seeds. You know, God forgives, but we still carry scars, don't we? God can set free, but sometimes that pain is still there. Jesus carries those scars on his hands and his feet. Isn't it amazing when he rises again, they go and he's still got the holes because there's a price. There are scars for what he did for us to set us free. And so sometimes in our lives, God can set us free. What's so amazing about God is he can take the past hurts and he can take the past scars and he can actually use them to glorify him. So God sets us free and he turns us around and we praise God for that. I am not taken away from that, but God doesn't want you to live with all those scars. He wants you to sow the seeds that he has for you. See, those scars were not his plan. It's his redemption that sets you free from those. His plan is that you sow seeds that will reap eternal life. And so what's behind you is behind you. We can come before God and say, God, for a long time I've been sowing things and I've been reaping the wrong things. Jesus, will you forgive me? And God, will you, will you show me the seeds that I'm sowing? So the other question I want to ask you right now is, is what seeds are you sowing today? What, what seeds did you sow this week? What, what are you planting in your life and covering up and watering? And the other thing is, do you really want to eat from that harvest? Do you really want to see that bitterness grow and grow and flower and reproduce? Do you want that in your life? Do you want that hatred? Do you want that anger? Do you want all those things? Do you want that, that selfishness? You want you, yourself as king. You really want that to grow because let me tell you it's going to. Because it's the law of nature and it's what God has designed. It's what God has said. You will reap what you sow. And he says that is a picture of the world. And they are going to grow together. And if you're anything like me, if I look at my life, a lot of times I go, man, there's some seeds I'm sowing. I don't need to sow. And then some seeds I'm sowing, I'm grateful that I'm sowing. I'm going, man, I, praise God, he's helping me here, and I'm sowing these things. But, you know, as I look at my life, I go, man, I really got to be more careful. I, sometimes I don't recognize that I'm sowing those seeds. They seem small, but I realize, man, what happens if these things grow? I don't want them to grow. I can't afford them to grow. So what about you? What do you want your vegetable garden to look like at the end of your life? Because Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back to harvest. There were times on that island, I told you guys, I said, man, I, I, I was tired. I, I didn't feel like watering the, the garden anymore. I didn't feel like weeding. I've been weeding it for so long. I didn't feel like watching these things. I, 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 some of these things took forever to grow, and I thought, man, it's never going to work. You know, we just want to give up. Sometimes that is our picture of our relationships. It's our relationships where you go, man, I've been giving and giving and giving, and all I get back is nothing from this person or nothing from this situation. I'm tired of loving. I'm tired of laying down my life. I just want to quit. It's not worth it. It's the same thing. I want to tell you, do not give up. For at the proper time, you will reap an abundance of what you sow. 
that goes for good and that goes for bad. And I don't want two-inch L-shaped carrots in my life. I don't think you do. I don't want weeds in my life. I want to be diligent and I want to push through and de-weed and pull up. And I want to do my best to serve God. Yes, I am not perfect. I am far from perfect. And I thank God for the grace of God in my life. I don't stand here because of my righteousness, but only by His That when I see the seeds that I'm sowing that are wrong, I ask God to forgive me. And he washes me and he cleanses me. And he does that for you too. But we need to be more intentional about what we're sowing into our lives. I want to close with the words that Paul uses to encourage. Because maybe this is you. Maybe you're there and you're tired of weeding. You're tired of watering. You're tired of trying. And so he says this, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Will you stand to your feet this morning? Man, how we treat each other is chiefly important. But he says, let us do good to all people. Will you bow your heads? And will you ask God to reveal to you maybe the seeds that you're sowing in your life? The seeds that are good, that are going to produce a wonderful harvest. And the seeds that are bad. And as God convicts you with the seeds that are bad, the decision is yours. You at that point can choose to harvest and eat from that harvest. Or you can choose to do your best to uproot. And give it to God and replace with something healthy. God says, I hold before you life and death. He said, please choose life. Well, Jesus, we come before you. And God, I thank you first and foremost for your amazing love. And for your amazing grace that God, only you can take all of our mistakes and all of our sins. And you can forgive us and you can heal. And God, we may carry some scars, but we're not defined by those scars. We're defined by your grace and your righteousness and your forgiveness, Lord Jesus. And God, I pray, Father, that if anyone is here this morning, God, they find themselves in a place where they feel like maybe they're defined by their mistakes or their sins, or, or maybe, they, I, maybe they're just horrified at what they're harvesting in their lives. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help them just to give it to you, and you would take it from them and forgive them and heal them and set them free. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for, for the many wonderful seeds that are being sown by so many wonderful people in this place. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that although it takes time that, God, you are producing in them an amazing harvest, Lord God, that will last for them in eternity and brings glory to you, Lord Jesus. But God, I pray now, Lord God, that you would protect us and keep us and give us wisdom. God, that you would help us to really be more intentional about the everyday seeds that we sow, how we respond to things, people, situations, circumstances. God, when our flesh rises up and we want to respond in a negative way, God, I pray, Father, that you'd help us to pause for just a moment and think about the harvest of that seed that we're getting ready to sow. And I pray, Lord God, that as we pause and as you convict us with that, that you'd help us to choose wisely what we sow, that our lives would glorify you first and foremost, and that we would also reap what you want us to reap in our lives. And finally, Lord Jesus, would you help us to shine for you, Lord God? 
God, will you help us to produce healthy fruit for you, Lord God? That's desirable by so many people who are struggling. They too, they may not come to know us, God, but they've come to know you through what they see in our lives, Lord God. We give this all to you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here this morning and you need prayer, please don't leave without praying with us. Come up here, grab one of us. We want to pray with you. If you're sick or hurting, we want to pray with you. And if you're in the middle of destruction, let me tell you, that's not what God's plan is for you. He wants you to live. He wants you to be set free. And only he can do it. We love you guys. Have a great week. You are my God.